Do you ever feel like wine just tastes like grown-up apple juice? Apple juice? Yeah. Grape juice? No, my wine tonight tastes like apple juice. Are you drinking a fruit wine? No, I'm drinking canned wine. I can't... I can't say I've ever thought that, and now I'm gonna... Kind of tastes like apple juice. I mean, maybe. Oh, but like, it tastes like that. It's made out of grapes, though. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm dying. Welcome to the Ice Garden. Vous écoutez the Ice Garden. Don't ask Ice Garden. One ain't need all the Ice Garden. This is the Ice Garden. Ice Garden. Attempt as a name la gun. Vous écoutez the Ice Garden. This is the Ice Garden. Добро пожаловать в Ice Garden. Bienvenido al jardín. Welcome to the Ice Garden. You're listening to the Ice Garden. This. This. This is the Ice Garden. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Top Shelf, where we keep the hot takes and the hard liquor. I'm Hannah Beavis, here with your co-host, Michelle J. Michelle, what's going on? Um, not much. I just finished a post-dinner snack. Can you, can you please tell our listeners what that snack was? Oh, yeah, because Hannah apparently had, like, never... This was, like, a foreign concept to Hannah, that you could put these two things together. It's just... I've never done it before. It was pretzel sticks... But, like, the pretzels, like, hard pretzels with peanut butter. Mm -hmm. Like, you dip them into the peanut butter. And first, like, when I told Hannah I was eating really quickly, she was, like, very confused, and we had to go back and forth about, like, what hard pretzels were. I just, when you said pretzels, the first thing I thought of was just, like, pretzel pretzels. And I thought if you dip them in peanut butter, it might be easy to, like, snap half of it into the peanut butter, and then it becomes a messy snack. And, like, what I also told Michelle is I just don't eat pretzels that much. So, like, this combo has never really presented itself. I've dipped other things in peanut butter before. Like, in college, I used to eat chocolate bars dipped in peanut butter. But I've never done it with pretzels. Have you done apples in peanut butter? Yes. And like Like, like ants on a log. Like, Mm -hmm. celery sticks. Yeah. I mean, I don't really love celery, but, like... I don't either, but it's like a snack that, like, parents make kids eat because it's, like, kind of... It's healthy, even if it tastes kind of weird. Um, one of my favorite things to do is, uh, I don't have one of those like apple core things, you know, Mm -hmm. those like Mm -hmm. things you push down. Um, and I don't like cutting apples with knives for some reason. Uh, so sometimes I will just, uh, get a spoon and put like a ton of peanut butter on it. So I don't have to like keep (laughs) going into the jar and like, just like put peanut butter on the apple and then take a bite of it and then just eat it like a regular apple. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that's funnier than the no. The pretzels with the peanut butter isn't funny. This is hysterical. And the next time you do this, I'm gonna need you to take a picture and send it to me. <laughs> isn't that messy? Or do you only put it on like half the apple? No, you only put like a little bit on. Like sometimes it requires two spoons, like one to be peanut, like hold the peanut butter. <laughs> oh my god, Michelle. Because like I don't know, I don't know why I don't just like put the peanut butter on a plate or something. But I, it's like. It's such an ele- it's such a commitment to eating the apple as an apple, but also putting the peanut butter on it. I know. Sometimes I like take a bite of the apple and then like put some peanut butter in my mouth. <laughs> I'm done. I do that with stuff before too, though, so I can't judge. Not with yeah. apples and peanut butter specifically, but I've done that before. Yeah. Uh, it's really. Uh, I mean, like, if you don't have an apple slicer thing, I don't know what to call that thing. And like a- you don't like cut- I hate cutting apples with knives. Mm-hmm. 
You need a really big knife to cut an apple. You do. You can't just use like a steak knife. You have to use yeah. like a, a hefty knife. Heavy duty. Yeah. And so it's just a lot. If I just put it directly on the apple, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It is pretty weird. I know that. Not the weirdest thing that we've talked about on this podcast, though. It is not. Definitely not. Uh, are you drinking anything tonight? I am. I'm drinking another can of wine. Um, something else we talked about while we were prepping. More just, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Rambling to each other. Well, we're talking about apples. <laughs> Speaking of apples, my wine tastes like apple juice. And I'm not sure if it's like a cognitive thing where I was having peanut butter and also drinking wine. And so I thought it tasted like peanut that's butter. Gotta be, like, that's like got to be what it is, right? Because it doesn't as much anymore. Yeah, because the question Michelle asked me, do you ever have wine that sometimes tastes like apple juice? And I'm like, grape? Grape juice? And she's like, no, apple juice. I, it must have been cognitive because, like, now it's not. Now it tastes like wine. I think that's what it was. I think it was your brain subconsciously trying to make the apple peanut butter connection. It was really weird. I don't know. I promise I'm not drunk yet, and I did eat previously. This is probably one of our more entertaining episodes, right, just right off the bat. I know. Um, what are you drinking tonight? I'm also drinking red wine. Uh, it is not gas station wine like last week. Um, it's a new wine that I got at a, the liquor store that I go to called Lab. Like the a, liquor store is called Lab or the wine is called no, Lab? The wine is Lab. Okay. Yeah. I got two bottles for $12, which is why I bought it. And it's oh. a pretty good, like, for like a cheap wine. It's a pretty smooth red wine. I would buy it again. That's good. Yeah. Always got to have the smooth wines. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, I have to, sorry, wine, I have to schedule a wine tasting for my wedding. So I know. <laughs> Very that important. Critically important. I know. It's really important. Honestly, it might be the most important part of the whole day. Just kidding. I mean, but really, though. I'm just making a note to myself. Emails. Okay. We're good. Sorry. You're good. Um... Are you, who are you toasting this week, Michelle? I am toasting um, Bemidji State's goaltender, Lauren Bench. Uh, Bemidji and Minnesota Duluth went to th four overtimes. Yeah, mm -hmm. four mm -hmm. overtimes. Um, in order to find a winner in the uh, third game of the WCHA quarterfinal between the two. Uh, that's... Wait, so it was a best of three, and they went to four overtimes in the third game? Yes. Holy shit. Or maybe the second game. Either way. Either way, that's a lot of games. Um, I think I'm reading the box score right. Uh, it was 406 minutes long. Oh my god. If that's what number means. Oh, maybe that's not what number means. I don't think that's what that I means. Think I think that, that would means. be like 12 overtimes. Yeah. Just kidding. I don't know. That's a stupid thing to have on this box score. Anyway. Um, they... Both teams scored in the first period. And then nobody scored again. <laughs> until until eight four overtime into the fourth overtime. Isn't that wild? That is just freaking... When Michelle 
put this in our notes doc. I was like, wait, didn't he toast this last week? And she was like, no, it was another game that went to not five overtimes like last week, but four overtimes. Uh, The reason I'm toasting Lauren Bench is she made 70 saves on the night. 70. That's just absurd. Put that in perspective to like, kind of like hedge what we're going to talk about later. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, the new Buffalo Buttes goaltender made 72 saves over two games, which I guess if you're playing seven periods is basically two games. That's pretty, like, that's two games. <laughs> that's literally two games, but also like you had some time in between them. Not 70 or right. two straight games. It, was, it wasn't row. all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really, do, do you have the box score pulled up how much the other goalie made? How many uh, saves the other goalie Maddie made? Maddie Rooney made 59 saves. Which Still impressive, but not quite as impressive as 70. 70 is a lot. And it's especially kind of astounding because, A, Bemidji won. Yeah. So to see 70 goals, 70 70 saves, to see 71 shots is a lot. Yeah. Um, But in... All of the overtime periods, she saw the most amount of shots. So in, like, the first overtime, she saw 13 shots to Rooney's 10. Uh, In the second, she saw 10 shots to Rooney's 7. In the sixth, she saw 18 to Maddie Rooney's 8. Oh, my God. (laughs) So she basically won this game for Bemidji is what I'm hearing. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of saves. Cheers. Cheers to Lauren on one hell of a game. Yeah. Um, it does not tell me here if they did, I don't know if they do, like, stars of the game, but she would have been my star of both games, of all mm-hmm. the games. <laughs> For the rest of the season. Just all of them. Uh, who are you toasting tonight? Uh, I am toasting Michaela Grant-Mentis. Uh, she is a new signee for the Buffalo Buttes, who then just promptly went in and, like, kind of just took the league by storm. She was the first star of the game in the Buttes 3-1 win over Metropolitan over the past weekend. And she scored uh, a goal and assist in her NWHL debut. Her goal was gorgeous, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I believe it was the Ice Gardens goal of the week, right? It was. Um, Mm -hmm. Mike Murphy picks a goal from the games that had been played and deems one goal of the week. And yeah, it was. Um, I was impressed with how she kind of like gelled into that top line. Mm-hmm. With, um, I think she was playing with Bowie and Akersey most of the weekend. Yep. Which is it, just great to see. Well, it's nice because we've seen kind of a, a mixture of new players who are talented going onto teams and maybe having a harder time. Like, mm-hmm immediately having chemistry with it so to see her um i mean when you're playing with Bowie and a cursey that's gonna help but to be able to keep up with and you know do what she did over the past game is very impressive it's also like we've seen players come in like ncw players late um sign quote-unquote late well i guess late they've signed as soon as their season's over and struggle to make a difference struggle to pick up with the pace of play mm-hmm. um, because many of them have said that the pace of play is a lot faster um, 
the Arts Garden has an interview with the other new Butte signee, um, uh, Leah Christine Demers. Yes, thank you. Uh, who um, Dan Rice talked to her after last weekend, um, and she said that uh, she was nervous in the first period, but um, right after that, she got a hang of the pace. Mm-hmm. Which I think says a lot, the fact that, like, there is definitely a pace change between the two, between NCAA and um, the NWHL. Mm-hmm. And besides that, too, it's new teammates, it's a new coach, it's new systems. Like, it's a lot of change kind of thrown at you very quickly. But, yeah. and, you know, I'm toasting Michaela, but I could very easily be toasting Leah Christine Demers as well, because she, another new signee, came in and made got her first NWHL win and her first NWHL start with a nine seven three save percentage, which is just absurd. She made well, she thirty get it in her first start. Because they won oh. on Sunday. You're right. And she started on Saturday too. So started back to back. Yeah. So sorry. Not first NWHL win in her first start, but on her made thirty six saves. Yes. Yeah. Equally as impressive. Yeah. Um, so cheers to Michaela. Cheers. Uh, and that kind of segues into what we're going to be talking about this episode, which is the NWHL playoffs. Cause that starts this weekend and we're going to have a full schedule. We've got the play in game between the Buttes and the whale on Friday. And then the white caps are hosting the riveters on Sunday. Is it Sunday or is it Saturday? It's Sunday. It's the 8th. I thought there was a game on Saturday, too. Thankfully, we're off on Saturday. <laughs> um, and then the Pride host the winner of the play-in game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the play-in game first? Yeah, let's start that's there. That's going to be the first game that we see. So uh, the fourth and the fifth seed are going to be playing each other, and that is a Buttes and the Whale. In leading up to this matchup, the Buttes have won all five games in the regular season, four in regulation, one in overtime. But Michelle, we were talking earlier, and I think it's important to mention that a lot of those games were at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, if not yeah. all of those games were at the beginning of the season, and like, I think we'll see this more, especially with the um, the, the the Riveters, in that. Um, the beginning of the season is just such a different team, such a different look for all of the teams, um, including these two. Where it's just like, it's such a hard thing to look at the end, like that. Wow, I can do this. It's such a hard <laughs> thing to look at how two teams did against each other in the beginning of the season, and look now, a few, even a few months later, even with a, such a short season. You know, they only play twenty four games. Mm-hmm. It's just. Like, they're radic- both of the teams are radically different teams, not even uh, not even counting the fact that both of them have made new si- extra signs since then. Right. But just they've actually had time to come together and practice and gel. And, like, um, this is actually, too, something that uh, to kind of veer off topic just a little bit, but stay on topic, was that um, Anya Packer talked about this a little bit in the intermission of the Riveters' um, Buttes game and that next season the NWHL is going to have a longer preseason so that we don't see these giant um 
I don't want to say talent gaps, but like we don't see like one team in the first month and like a whole different team in the last month. I think, yeah, to give them more time to, I think, you know, you can do off-season training and anything, but when you get back into a game situation, you're going to have a little bit of rust on you regardless of, like, how much you've been practicing or training. So I like the idea of a longer preseason because hopefully, like, yeah, that gap will kind of shorten up a little bit yeah. and we'll have some more parity more quickly. Yeah, I think we'll see better, better games in the preseason because even, like, if you look at the Buttes, and the pride in the preseason, like the pride, like mm-hmm. blew out the buttes, and then was able, like the buttes are able to skate with them towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, for that reason, to kind of like bring it back to the series we're talking about, for that reason, like, I don't place too much stock in how that ha- in what happened in the past. Um, I mm-hmm. it is interesting to note, and it's like important to note. Um, but these are now two drastically different teams, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, not only different because of who the new players are with Michaela Grant-Mentis and Leah Christine Demers for Buffalo, and then the Whale just recently signed Caitlin Russ. They also added um, um, they have, uh, mm-hmm. and Lewicki, Lewicki signed with the Buttes as oh, well. Yeah, um, and the Whale's goaltenders. Um, you know, they started looking, or they started with um, Sonia Shelley and uh, starting, and Christina Goy- Goyeta backing I think up. Um, and now it's really been Brooke Roulette. I can speak, I promise. I'm having that problem again where my head gets ahead of my f- mouth and like it all just comes out as jumbles. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, they have um, Brooke Roulette. Wojlesko and Sonia Shelley backing her up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, just... which is just completely. And I think um, who's writing the preview for the Ice Garden for the Beats and the Whale? Casey. Casey. Uh, uh, he made note that the Buttes have never actually both teams. The Buttes and the Whale. If they start, if the Buttes starts Leah Christine Demers, and if the Whale start Wolechko. Neither team will have seen the other goalie before because they played all their games like in October and November. And that was before like Leah Christine got signed and before Wolechko became the starter. That's, I is, mean, and that's like a pretty big thing. Yeah, that's fascinating. Especially to in me. such a small league. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Brooke. Mm hmm. Um, in my opinion, she could be the reason the whale win this. Really? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, A, she has the only two whale wins. Mm-hmm. And B, or two, I think I said one. I think you said A. A. Good, because I all of a sudden panicked and didn't remember what I said. <laughs> um, she has stopped something like insanely she stopped like oh, it was in the three stars thing. Hold on. Okay. Um, that's Amanda. That's Mary Jo. Um, she's made like 
at least 45 saves in five games this season. Like, she's made 458 saves on the entire season, which is wild. And how many games played? Um, Probably like, what, 12? Um, 10 or 12? No, I don't think she's played quite that many. Hold on. Oh, my God. That makes it even freaking wilder. That's over 40 saves a game. Yeah, she's... Um, okay. Brooke Rolets. Oh, I cannot say that. Rolegeko. Rolegeko has played 712 minutes. Um, in contrast, uh, Sonia Shelley has played uh, 690. That's uh, just 712 divided by 60 is just under 12. So that's excluding if a game went to overtime. Yeah. But around 11 or 12 games. But that's just like, it's insane. Yeah. How much she's done, I guess, like for this team. And like, we really saw it when, um, when she's played, when the whale have played Boston lately, she's been their go-to goalie in those situations. And it's just, she's, um, I mean, they didn't win, but, I think Brooke was the one of the top players out on the ice constantly and really keeps the whale in games. Um, and I think we saw that again on Saturday in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, granted, once again, they did not win. But uh, the game could have been much worse than it actually was. And I think if you're going into the Buttes whale game saying, oh, well, the whale only have two wins, so they're going to lose again, like is missing that a lot of the games that the whale have lost have been very close. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's like it's a one game plan, it's mm-hmm. not a series. So if your goalie has a good a good game or if the other team has an off day, like this could easily go either way. Do you think also with Wolechko, um being a strong netminder, do you think she's got a more solid decor in front of her as well? Uh, it depends on who you're looking at and comparing it to. Um, mm. I think if you're looking at, like, Boston, no. Well, um, yeah. But I think if you're looking at the Buttes, like, I I think the Buttes have one of the weakest defensive, defensive lines, defensive core um, in the league right now. I think... That's fairly apparent, and also how many goal, how many shots their goaltenders are seeing. Yeah, but I also wouldn't say that like the whale have a specific have like a particularly strong defensive core. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Shannon Doyle does a lot for them, and like can't like that's not super sustainable. Yeah, um, it also doesn't help that like Connecticut has a little bit of problems scoring goals. Um, yeah, they you know they they've only scored thirty nine goals on the season where they've given up a hundred, um, which you know yeah. that's not not what you want. No, um, but I <sighs> you know, and that's and that's harder to fix, I think, than like getting a different goaltender in net yeah. or. Like, 
I feel like there's only so much you can do. And going through and looking at this stuff, too, they're in the basement for the power play and the penalty kill. Yeah. So, you know, they can't score goals at even strength. They're having trouble scoring them with the extra skater, which is, you know. It... It's just like there's a lot of cards stacked against them. We're talking about the whale, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of cards stacked against them. But, and I think they have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And I think that because of Brooke, if Brooke starts, I think she has a large part in that. Um, they looked fantastic against the Whitecaps this weekend. They look like a mm-hmm. whole new team. And Buffalo has been very inconsistent as of late. <laughs> That's um, the story of their lives, though. That, too. They had, like, a pretty rough losing streak. Um, I mean, they did go out, like we talked about, and get two new players, uh, two players out of college, and Kristen Lewicki signed. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, like, that solves all of their problems. Um, yeah. Because I just think, like, their big-name players, you know, Akurzi, Bowie, um, Pelletier, they either show up or they completely disappear. Mm. And I think that's, like, a really big problem for them. I think I, think I would have said g- before seeing the games this weekend that I would have – maybe given the whale the edge with Wolechko. And I know we've only seen them in like a short period of time, but with Michaela Garantmentis and Leah Christine Demers playing as well as they did in their first games with the Buttes, the energy too, that not just the, the production that they can bring on the ice helps obviously, but I think the energy that it maybe gives the team as well, gives them a little boost that I think might be able to still give them an edge over the whale it's still, I mean, it's still a coin toss for me who's going to win this thing. But I think those two are just, like, they give me some hope. When before I would be like, I don't know if the Beats can pull this off. Hmm. It's interesting because, like, I don't know. I look at it. The Buttes already had three goaltenders. Yeah. So what does that say about your GM, your coach's confidence in the goaltenders you have? And what does that say about their confidence in the team if they're going out essentially at the quote-unquote trade deadline, for lack of a better word, or roster lock deadline, and pursuing two new players? I mean, I think you're trying to give your team the best chance to win. And, like, you know, if you have to have a goalie swap, like, you know, Newman and... mm, I'm blanking on their other goalie. Yeah, Tiffany Hsu. Like... They did what they could for the team in the season, and that's not to be discounted. But if Leah Christine is the one with the hot hand right now, and she gives the team the best opportunity to win, like... I guess, yeah. Yeah, you're going to sign her. Now, can they replicate what they did last weekend, this weekend? I don't know. But it's something. But the the other thing that kind of sucks for the Beats, too, is we, and we don't have confirmation on this, but uh, Angelica Rodriguez... Um, tweeted that Lenka Krimisova looked like she got hit in like a puck to the skate and left practice early on in this week. And so her status for the weekend is a little uncertain, which would suck for Buffalo. That would be a huge, huge blow for them. And the other thing was, <laughs> it might be a good thing that the Buttes are playing the Whale because the Buttes take so many goddamn penalties and the Whale are yeah. like the one team in the league not that one team, but the worst team in the league at converting on the power play. But, like, 
if they could just stay out of the box too, that just gives them so much more like it just helps. You just you talk about the whale being streaky. I feel like anytime they get any kind of momentum in a game, they take a penalty. And then it's just immediately back to square one. Yeah. Which is so hard to to come back from. It's uh, how you say not ideal. <laughs> That's exactly what I would say. Yeah. Do you Okay, so I do you want to go to the next quarterfinal? Do you want to go to the other game we know or should we talk about what we think the either team would do against the Pride? Let's talk about what either team would do against the Pride. Um You've got something in here about Wolechko and her, like, success against the Pride. I do? Mm-hmm. Under a whale trending up, question mark? Brooke Wolechko. Oh, I really... thought you put that in there. No, you definitely put that in there. Did I? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I but that basically here. gets to the gist. The, the reason I didn't put anything is because that gets the gist of what I was also thinking. Is that, like, and what I said already, is that, like, We've seen her have these outstanding games against the Pride. Um, and, I mean, for as as many struggles as the Whale have, um, I think we've seen them perform re- play really, really well against the Pride this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they took them to a shootout when the Pride were still undefeated. Um, they constantly give them troubles. I think the Whale's style of play is one that matches well against the Pride style of play. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just like, not that I think like the whale, if they beat the Buttes, could then go on to beat the Pride mm-hmm. to play in an Isabel Cup final as the five seed. I mean, we've seen it happen, but I'm not sure like if they could do that this season. Um, that mm-hmm. would take like a lot of good luck for them, I feel like. Uh, we would need a Brianne McLaughlin style miracle yeah, for that to happen. Some like really bad luck on the pride stick. But I think that like it, it would be an extremely interesting game. Especially considering yeah. how well the whale fans travel to Boston. Mm, I didn't even think about that. It's allowed in there. <laughs> I think yeah, I think that's the matchup that I I'd like to see with would be the whale and the pride. If the Buttes bring their A game, that could be a fun one too, though. It's just whether or not they're on top of their game, you know? Yeah. It is going to be interesting too to see because this is going to be the same weekend. So whoever plays Mm -hmm. Sunday will have already played on Friday. And it'll be interesting to see if that maybe helps the team get a faster start because they've already got their legs under them a little bit. Or if they're tired because they've played already. I think that like like that idea favors the Buttes a little more. Mm. Because they can turn around and travel right away. You know, they don't have to go home mm-hmm. and then go to Boston. Though for all we know, Connecticut could have plans to go straight to Boston after yeah. Friday night. Um, but I think like having that kind of, uh, the four seed Buffalo, having that home rink advantage in the play-in game before having to travel right away is definitely a little bit of an advantage. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see how these new players face face off against the, the Pride. 
I wish we had them for more than just a weekend. I know. But it's always interesting. And I think that's one of the things that like is really fun about the NWHL and the playoffs in the last few weeks um, or the last weekend is that they do like every season we have an um, NCAA. Wow. NCAA. Wow. <laughs> can do it. Every season we have NCAA players coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the final push and the playoffs and making a difference usually. I mean, in the past we had Mary Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, who I think Mary had a better like has had a better long term career than she did when she first came in. Agreed. Um, but we had players like Kelsey Colzer. Mm-hmm. I know okay. there are more, and I just ran out of names pretty quickly. I know. I'm um, trying to think of some too. But like with this, it feels like kind of like a completely new energy yeah. going into the playoffs, which is like fun. It's entertaining. Like, um, do you think this is a prediction, I guess, but like, I don't know. Do you think either the Buttes or the whale could beat the pride, which regardless of which team wins? Mm. The, Okay. Maybe this is a hot take, but I think the Whale have the better chance of beating the Pride than the Buttes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Buttes, and I, I think one like one way to look at that too is that the Pride and the Whitecaps play very very similar styles of play. Mm-hmm. They're yes. both very fast, uh, though. I mean, obviously the Whitecaps have a little bit of an edge in the speed, but they both play fast games, and they're both physical. Mm-hmm. I think the whale. Did you mean the pride and the buttes? No, because I mean okay. So like, let me back up. Like, okay, looking at last weekend, the whale and the the whale looked really good against the Whitecaps. It was not okay. the blowout either of okay. us thought anyone thought they were going to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think like the fact that the whale kept up with the Whitecaps last weekend and the whale having the previous games kept up with the pride. Interesting. Okay. Like, to me, that says, like, their style of plays as teams, like, like the whale style of play is more conducive to beating the pride than the Butte style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, the Buttes aren't nearly as fast as the pride um, or the whale or the whitecaps. They're a very physical team. Um, but I think when you have a team that's just physical and mm-hmm. lacks, to be completely honest, like, anybody that can really keep up with the pride... The yeah. pride know that, and they can exploit that a lot better. Yeah. Um, and I just think, like, and granted, like, I looked at the schedule, too. Like, the white, um, the pride and the buttes really only played at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, we ha- like this, like we said before, the scores are a little skewed because of that. Um, but I just think, like, I remember those games, and by the th- halfway through the second period, for the third period, the, the buttes would just be gassed. Um, yeah. They'd be getting beat to every puck. They'd be getting beat down the ice every game uh, or every rush. Um, you know, they their defenders couldn't really pinch in at all. Yeah. Because they had to stay back because they would just get odd man rushes if they didn't. Uh, the Pride would get odd man rushes if the uh, Beats defenders pinched in too much to help out. And it just, it all cascades from there. So yeah. I think of the two teams at the, y, the, the wall... The whale, the whale have the better chance of beating the pride. 
Yeah. I mean, you've convinced me. But, like, regardless of them having the better chance, do you think they can do it? I guess that's the follow-up to that. If you had to predict now. I honestly think they could. I think... You heard it here first, folks. They, the, the, the white, oh, wow. Like I keep saying, the white caps, or the whale looked incredible against the white caps last weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, and you go to Minnesota, and it's a tough, a tough travel weekend mm-hmm. for anybody. Um, and the score of the first game was like six to three on Saturday night. And then you have to turn around and play with like, like 12 hours later, you know, you have like a one uh-huh. o'clock game and it was like three to one or something or like four to one on an empty net goal at the end. Mm-hmm. The fact that the white or the whale was able to keep the white caps that close, like that's a huge confidence boost. Mm-hmm. And I think to ride that into the playoffs, even without a win for me, that's more of a confidence booster than the Buttes beating the uh, Riveters on Sunday. Yeah. And so like for that reason, I think like, the whalers have some like overall momentum. Yeah. As compared to the Buttes who have like really struggled lately and might not have the confidence. Oh, sorry, I yawned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, the, I remember who else the whale added. Uh, Allie Lacombe. Mm. Who I think has made a big difference for the team too. A forward got dumped onto the first line. Good player. <laughs> It'll be interesting. I hope the whale do beat move on because, you know, you got me ready to like run through a wall basically now, like hyping <laughs> up the whale. <laughs> no. Like I really want to see them now face off against the pride. Um do you wanna talk about speaking of white caps? Them facing off against the Riveters on Sunday? Yeah. Okay. This is an interesting series because these two teams split evenly their regular season matchups. Both teams have won three games apiece. Granted, two of the Riveters have been in overtime, mm-hmm. but they still have three wins. And really, I think you can say there's only really been one bad blowout, which was the 9-2 win for Minnesota, the first game of the season. Literally the first game of the season. Yeah, and since then, it's been three, no, two one-goal games in overtime, two two two-goal games, although one is also a shutout. But they haven't played against each other since January, which is another interesting, not quite as long of a time period as, like, the Buttes and the Whale going back to November, but, like... It's been a bit. And I think, like, especially for a team... I mean, both teams are, once again, drastically different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Riveters might be the more drastically different team in that, like, they came in with a totally new team, basically. Yeah. Um, and really had to figure themselves out. Um, I think a good indication of that is how the Riveters have played against the Pride in the second half of the season rather than how they played against the Pride in the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, and I think even looking at the results from, like, October to January between the Whitecaps and the Riveters, um, that's pretty indicative, too, of how the Riveters have changed. 
Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it'll be interesting. Riveters need to stay out of the box. Stay out of the box. And for me, I think it's really going to come down to how well Sam Walther and the defense can play. Mm. Because a lot of these games, the Riveters aren't scoring. I don't think in any of these games they scored more than three goals, with the exception of the 4-3 OT win in October. Yeah. So, like, they're going to need to shut down the White Cast, especially with, like, Levier playing as well as she had at the end of the season. Yeah. Like, for, she made 48 saves in the season finale, which is, like, absurd. Yeah. That's not 70 saves, but, like, 48. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, and, like, you know, you have players like Ali Thunstrom, like Megan Pazan, who can score goals, like Jonna Curtis, Audra Richards. So they have that scoring capacity, too, and they're going to need to shut them down pretty hard. I think that if the Whitecaps get two quick goals, that the Riveters are going to be in some trouble. I agree, but I also have a hard time betting against the Riveters just because I feel like when you want to count them out, then they can come out and and get a quick goal and just get right back into it. Doesn't mean that they'll win, but yeah, I just I look at um, the last game between the Riveters and the Pride on the twenty third of February, mm. uh, where Boston came out and scored I think like three in the first period. Two in the first period. Uh-huh. Um, and the Riveters were really never able to bounce back from that. Um, oh, the Pride scored four in the first period, one in the mm. second. And while the Riveters did shut them down after that. It's, it's too late at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even if the Riveters let the Whitecaps score two goals in the first period, considering the games in Minnesota... Um, and the Whitecaps have traditionally had really, really strong fan support. Yeah. I think it's going to be tough. I'll say this, though. Two of the Riveters' wins have been in Minnesota. So Minnesota's won two at home, and Riveters have won two in Minnesota. Yeah. Which might not mean anything, but I think it's fair, It's safe to say that the the Whitecaps are going to have a pretty solid home ice advantage, both in fan support and in familiarity with the rink. Yeah. And I think one thing that we... is hard to consider and hard to look at is that this game is being played at 12.30 in the afternoon and Trier Rink is one window. Holy shit. Oh, I didn't even think about that. One window. If it's sunny? Yeah. Oh, shit. If it's sunny... Gotta have some problems. And I don't know... So the, the Warrior has curtains... That yeah, we put down saying, for day games. But I don't know if Tria does. Who built this rink and was like, you know what? We don't need curtains. Somebody this was like, fine. it's going to be like you're playing outside. <laughs> yes, but like, can they wear sunglasses then? Or something. At, at fans who are going to go to that game, please bring your own curtains. And let's yeah. make like a makeshift kind of thing. Um, I think that's something... That is going to be very interesting to see. What do you call I, that? An intangible? Yeah, yes. I would argue that it is almost a tangible. 
I didn't even think about that. That's going to be super interesting. I'm trying to think of who. Yeah. I mean, granted, the Whitecaps play there at like one in the afternoon usually, but still like. And I'm wondering what's the better, like, is it better to have your skaters shooting into the sun twice or have your goalie looking into the sun twice? You know what I mean? Yeah. This uh, is also assuming it's going to be sunny at all, which it might not. Yeah. But I mean, still, like, it's not dark. Yeah. You've got some kind of natural lighting in yeah. there. Yeah. These are the things I think about. <laughs> yeah, it's worth thinking about it. Good news, but... Uh, Whitecaps have... Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I want to hear what you had to say. Um... I was just going to ask, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what's your prediction? I, I don't know. Because this one's, this one's a hard one, right? Because the Whitecaps are technically second overall. But for me, I don't think that means anything with this, with their regular season play. If the ribs can stay out of the box, I think they can pull out the win. I just don't know if they can. They've Ooh. been shorthanded the second most times in the league, and the Whitecaps have the best power play in the league. They're scoring in one-on-four opportunities, almost one-on-four opportunities, which is absurd. That's insane. And like not only that, but they've got the second best penalty kill as well. So even if the ribs do get a power play, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to capitalize on it. They might, you know, it's a one game plan. So anything could happen with Sam Walther coming back and looking pretty good. I want to give it to the ribs, but then you've got freaking Amanda Levier making 48 saves and Allie Thunstorm getting a hat trick. Mm -hmm. And now I, and now I don't know what to think, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. This one's really hard for me to make a prediction. Oh my god, I have more harder times. More harder times? I have a harder time with the Buttes and the Whale rather than this. <laughs> this one, I'm just, who do you think's going to win? Oh, I think the Whitecaps are going to win. Okay. I think, um, I think the Riveters are a little too penalty prone, like you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, I think the Riveters are a little too young. Um, a little too. They're, I I I feel like they're going to come out gripping their sticks. That's what I'm tightly, afraid of, especially yeah. after they fell to the uh, Buttes on Sunday. I don't think that's mm -hmm. like a po like a, a positive thing for them. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know. I just I see the Whitecaps' speed and ability to come back and late in the game as more of a positive for yeah. the Whitecaps. Because, you know, like, like I think back to that, um, the Whitecaps Pride game where the Whitecaps snapped the Pride's undefeated streak, where mm -hmm. Ellie Thunstrom came down on the, on the um, you know, Jillian Dempsey scores, and then Ellie Thunstrom come down seven seconds later and scores the fucking game-winning goal. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I think that is indicative of like where the Whitecaps are as a team, and I don't see any other team doing that, especially the Riveters. Yeah. So I think yeah. like, even if the Riveters jump out, I just think that the Whitecaps are just going to overpower them. 
I think the Riveters, if they're going to win this, have to play a perfect game. Yeah, which like they've not seen them do. They have to play at least a solid 60 minutes. They don't have to be perfect, but they have to be present for mm. 60 minutes. Which, I, yeah, it is has been a, something that they've struggled with. But I do with, think, with it being just a one-game playoff, you know, anything could happen. Riveters could win. Oh, they could. I don't think, I think they will. Whitecaps have the edge, yes. I think, like, yeah, I don't know. I just... The, Here's... The, go ahead. Well, I was just, like, um, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say, too, is that, like, even on Saturday, we saw the Whitecaps didn't play a complete 60. Yeah. And they still won. But, like, they gave the Buttes a chance to come back. And I think mm-hmm. if you give a team like the Whitecaps the chance to come back, they're going to jump all over you. Mm-hmm. And annihilate you. Yeah. Like, um, I think it was Saturday's game. Saturday's Whitecaps-Whale game. It was one-to-one going into the third period. Or, like, two-to-two going into the third period or something. It was very mm-hmm. close. And then the Whitecaps scored two goals in two minutes to open the period, which, like, not great. But, like, I feel like the Whitecaps just have the experience, the talent, and the speed where even if the Riveters make a run at it, the Whitecaps have a better chance of shutting it down. I think that's really telling how you mentioned earlier that, like, if you think the Whitecaps jump out and score – a couple goals early, then it's going to look real serious for the Riveters. Whereas even if the Riveters have like a goal or a two goal lead, you can't ever count the Whitecaps mm-hmm. out because at any point they're capable of coming in and scoring that game tying or game winning goal, as we've seen in games before. Literally with seven in seven seconds, Allie <laughs> found Strom won the game. Like not even like it was like one play. She was like, "Oops, puck mine, puck net, yay." Mm-hmm. They're capable of doing it, certainly. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'll give I'll give the Whitecaps the edge. the The thing is, is just I feel like I've been I've been counting the Riveters out all season, and they have shown that they are capable of skating with and beating the Whitecaps multiple times this season. So they can do it. The question is whether they'll be able to. And I do think you're right in that the Whitecaps have the edge. But we shall see. The Whitecaps also. To a lesser extent than the three other teams, they also looked like a different team at the beginning of the season. Yes. You know, I think they also had a fair amount of turnover. Um, In my mind, uh, they had to deal with some of the same problems that the Pride did um, in season three when Mm -hmm. the national team players were at, um, were centralized. And that all, like, so obviously, okay. So last year, the Whitecaps had a bunch of big-name national team players on their team. You know, they had Kendall Coyne, they had Danny Cameronese, they had um, Hannah Brandt. Least least Yeah. Who did I say? Hannah Brandt. Okay. Um, they had these, like, playmakers, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. some of your non-national team players, players who are there still, kind of take a backseat role. Um, mm-hmm. And I think at the beginning of the season, the Whitecaps had to try to find their identity again without yep. those players. Um, and figure out who they were as a team and who would step up. Um, obviously, Allie Fundstrom is huge <laughs> for them. Um, but I think, like they, to a le- like I said, to a lesser extent than the Riveters and um, the Whale, they needed to find themselves and like they were, they are a different team than they were at the beginning of the season. 
so I think, I don't know. That's a really good point though. And like, especially the callback to the, the pride in the third season, they struggled for a long time trying yeah. to, to figure out what their new roles were without those national team players there. I would argue the Pride took an entire season to figure that one out. I, I would agree with you, and I think we're seeing <laughs> Maybe that, two it didn't, seasons. It, it didn't take the Whitecaps that long, as evidenced by, you know, their season finale going as well as it did. I mean, close against a tough, t- like a team like Connecticut that was playing hard all weekend. Yeah. But, you know, we're still able to come through when it mattered most. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, I still give it. To, yeah, I just I give it to the Whitecaps. Um, so, who do you think your your Isabel Cup final will be? Whitecaps Pride. Yeah. White Whitecaps Whale. Oh my God! If it's White Cops White Cops Whale. <laughs> if it's White Cop. Oh my God. <laughs> if it is Whitecaps Whale. Damn, son. I think, okay, if it is Whitecaps Whale, that is crazier than the Buttes beating the Pride in Season 3. Season 2. What do you think? If the Whale even make it to the final or if they win? If they even make it to the final. A 5-2 with the 5 being the Whale. Because then that would mean the Whale had to win two playoff games when they've only won two regular season games. I agree with you. I, it took me a minute because I was like, I don't even know how you can make anything be- better than the Buttes upset. But then the fact that they would have to win two games and that one of them would have to be against the Pride. In Boston. In Boston. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Right? I, um, maybe that's my second hot take of this episode is that um, that would be a crazier outcome. Not even the outcome of the game. Just the outcome. <laughs> just getting the there. fact that the game would happen. We're going to be losing our minds. The puck won't even have dropped yet. We're just going to be like, can you believe? Can you even believe? Yeah. That uh, would be nuts. Um, but no, I think it's going to be a Whitecaps Pride. Uh, Whitecaps Pride final. And um, I think it's going to go to overtime again. Oh, shit. I don't know. Do you know how, uh, is it going to go to a shootout in playoffs? Or will they keep playing overtime until there's a winner? Uh, I don't know. Ten bucks says the league doesn't even know yet. <laughs> I, mean, I would hope that they would adopt the IIHF rules, but they um, do technically play by the NCAA rule book. Rule book. Oh. I don't know why I'm struggling to speak tonight. Um, I think I just got like really worked up. <laughs> uh, but also the NCAA rule book for regular season says five minutes then to a shootout but in the conference tournaments they all nothing they don't go to shootouts as evidenced by the fact that we had a four overtime period game this weekend right 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 so but if you remember in season one we did go to a shootout for the isabel cup i think yeah well it it debuts would have won it would have been a game three but wait no that was a penalty shot Oh, it was a penalty shot? I oh, think yeah, it so. was a penalty shot. Yeah. But it was in over it was a penalty shot in overtime. So it Which was should just be outlawed. Kind of a shootout. <laughs> it should be outlawed. That's actually just a shootout. <laughs> That's your third hot take of the thing. 
You shouldn't be able to take a penalty shot in a sudden death overtime. If like, somebody if somebody has a breakaway and they get clearly taken down, yes, they absolutely should. I, f- I feel like you need to be really clearly taken down. Like it needs to be like you're making me want to go back and rewatch this know, to see if I it was too. like a, a debatable call or not, controversial. I do too. It should be outlawed. Outlawed, I tell you, outlawed. Like a tumbleweed goes across the ice. There's no penalty shots in overtime here, partner. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I just got what you said. I got it. Uh, I think the Pride will make the finals. I am going to throw out my hot take and think, the, and think that the Riveters are going to be the team they face. Really? I really, I, re- I don't know what it is, Michelle. I really feel strongly that the Riveters can do this thing. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I feel like you've dropped a lot of hot takes, and this is just, it's just, I gotta i gotta say what my heart's telling me. My heart's telling me that Ribs can do this. It won't be easy. It's going to be a nail-biter, but I think they can do it. I've rendered Michelle speechless. Hmm. You really <laughs> have. I don't really know what to say to that. It's a one, it's a one goal, it's one game. That's true. And it is like so many times they're like, so many times the teams and the players are like, it's a new season, it's a new season, it's a new season. Because it is, but. Mm-hmm. I just, if it was a series, I would not, I would not, I don't think the Rivers could do it. If, if it was even a three game series, not a five game, not a seven game, if it was a best of three, the Whitecaps have it. But it's one game. Which that's, we haven't really—that's a take. I, I, yeah, I know it is, but I'm, I'm gonna stick with it. Which we haven't really talked about this in this, like, the fact that this is all one game playoffs series, like, which is how it's been, with the exception of I think season one where it was a th- best of three for the final. Do you like that, or do you wish we had series? Um. I think that because the rest of the season is single is more or less single games, it makes sense, you know. That it's been trying to fit like a three game series in one weekend. Yeah, because like you look at the CWHL, what they used mm-hmm. to do is they had actual series during the regular season. You know, playing what, two what? games back to back wasn't was the norm, and I know mm-hmm. that this year, like it, that was also the. A pretty normal thing for players mm-hmm. um, was to go back to the um, two games a weekend format. But I feel like to suddenly kind of spring that like three games, quote unquote, three game series on at the end of the season when sure you may be like better conditioned, but also like you've just played a 24 game series mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a lot. Um, also, like, I guess if you look at a 24 games, to suddenly have a three-game series where, like, everything means... It, it just, like... Do I love it? No. The one game... Do I love one games? No. Does it make Does sense? Does it make sense? Yes. That's fair. Yeah. You know, because, like, let's look at... I don't know. Like, the NHL. They do, like, what? Five-game series until the Stanley Cup Finals when they do seven? No, it's seven-game series oh. all the way through. In the AHL, our first round is a best of five. And then it's seven, best of seven throughout. 
But okay, so like how many games does the AHL play in a season? Like how many, like... Like 70, 70-ish, 76, unless you're in the Pacific Division, don't at me. Let's, a, okay, let's say 70 for the sake of a round number, right? Yeah. A five-game series of that is what? Two, is 14, that's... Oh, we're getting into percentages now, 14% Hold on. of your season, right? Okay, yeah. Where if you play, what, 24 games, that's eight. Well, if you if you did, for example, two three game series and both series went to three games, that's like a quarter of your season. Yeah, and in two a, weekends. In two weekends, but also that's like a total game changer. Yeah, to go from every game meaning a ton to suddenly having th- three games I mean, to prove it, I I just don't see that as being like fair. I think I think if it w- went to a best of three or a best of five or whatever, I think in order for it to be fair, it would need to be spread out over more than one weekend. I think yeah. trying to fit a three games in three days scenario over one weekend, you're right, Michelle. It, it doesn't make sense logistically. It doesn't make sense with how the regular season's played out. It's not fair to the players. Yeah. I mean, like, we have, like, a good example of this with what the CWHL used to do. Right. They'd yeah. shove three games in, and if we had to go to game three, players were getting screwed. Mm-hmm. Like, with their full-time jobs. Um, and also kind of on the ice, like, your players are exhausted. Yeah. So, like, the, the quality of play is also going to suffer there as well. Not to anybody's fault, just for lack of how everything was scheduled. I just... Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't... I, is it the perfect option? No. Does it make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I think when we see the NWHL grow, would having three game series in the finals again be great? Be Yeah, that's what I would love to see, you know, maybe two years down the road. Um, you know, not next season, but the season after that, having three game series mm-hmm. in the finals. Um, but I just think it's something that needs to be baked into the season ahead of time. You know, you mm-hmm. can't just be like, oh, by the way, now we're having three-game series. Like, that needs to be, like, yeah, a thing beforehand. And I think that teams need to be more regularly playing two games in a weekend. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. And there needs to also be a longer season then, too. Though I could see going to a three-game series in the final before the season gets longer. For this season, you think? So if, like, even in, like, let's say two seasons, we're still at 24 games a season. Mm-hmm. The play-in and quarters, the, or the play-ins and semis, yeah, are one game apiece. But then the finals is three games. Because mm-hmm. then you're still not, like, putting a quarter of your season into one weekend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. I think it makes sense. Like, I can see where you're coming from. I think it's interesting to me, for example, if, say, the Riveters pulled an upset against the Whitecaps and faced off against the Pride and then had a three-game series where they could promptly get stomped on in two games by the Pride, you know? Or if the Whale are facing off against the Whitecaps and and pull off the upsets in their two wins and then have to play an extra, you know, have to win not one game but two, which, you know, could still be interesting and could be an interesting playoffs, but... 
But that's why I think it needs to be something baked into, I don't know, maybe it's something that Anya and the PA aren't know about ahead of time and can tell the players like, hey, like, this is how the season's going to work, which mm-hmm. I'm sure they do. But like, I feel like knowing that from the onset makes it a very different conditioning and training process than like finding that out late in the game. I don't know. I wonder what the players want. I wonder if they like the one game playoff or if they'd prefer to have a series. I know that they a lot of the players enjoy the two game series, the the two games in a weekend, like how they used to do it in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a big adjustment. A lot of times for NCAA players coming into the league was all of a sudden to play one game in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that like a lot of them have like liked this a little bit more. But in terms of playoffs, yeah, I don't know. At any players, if you happen to listen to us, please don't <laughs> ever tell us. But you know, maybe find a way to tell us that like. Create a burner account and yeah. tweet at Michelle and I. Yeah, I just don't want to know that you listen to me incoherently ramble every week. Because it's the NCAA does one game playoffs too, right? Um. Mm, okay, so the conference. Um, it's complicated. The so, WCHA, the ECAC. Uh, yeah, the WCHA, the ECAC, and the Hockey East. Their postseason tournaments are their quarterfinals are three game series at um, campus sites. So those were last weekend, mm-hmm. and then once you get into their final four, those are all one game. Okay, um, interesting. The CHA does one game series throughout the whole thing, and they play them all in one weekend, or one week oh, like hi. so for example they start on thursday tomorrow because we're recording on wednesday mm-hmm. um and their the cha's top two seeds get automatic buys into the quarterfinals mm-hmm. so like i don't know three plays four and five plays six which or five plays whatever you know what i mean seven eight nine yeah they all play the bottom teams play each other yeah yeah, yeah. um on like Thursday and then on Friday one plays the lower remaining seed and two plays the higher remaining seed. And then on Saturday, the winners of those games go on. It's like kind of a weird system. Okay. Um, so it's a mix, I guess a little bit of both. And then in the national tournament, the frozen four are one games. Yeah. And, I cannot remember what the, the quarterfinals at campus sites are for some reason. I, I want to say those are just one game, too. Because I'm thinking about, like, Ohio State, and I think they just had to win oh, one yeah. game to Against advance. BC a few years ago. Yes, yeah. That is a, yeah, they're just one games. One game? It's just one game? They're just ones games? It's just one game. Singular. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that is very interesting. I hadn't really thought of that as, like, a comparison. Yeah, I'm just, I'm interested, too, like, if the players, because I know, it's, like, I think in the past I've been very much like, I want series, like, I don't like the one-game playoffs. And now I'm kind of like, it is more entertaining mm-hmm. in, in that you can go into a game and literally anything can happen. And it's just, like, if you show up that day, you might walk out a winner. And there's that kind of unpredictability. But I... I'm like, I don't know what the players want. Do the players like that too? Or do they like 
want to actually have the better team have another chance to redeem themselves and, and win out. I don't know. <sighs> it's interesting. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before you wrap things up? Hmm. Mm. No. All right. Michelle, where can we find you on Twitter? At Michelle underscore J-A-Y-3. Where can we find you on Twitter, Hannah? You can find me on Twitter at Hannah underscore Beavis1, B-E-V-A-S. Uh, if you have questions for Michelle and I, you can tweet them at us using the hashtag Top Shelf Mailbag. Um, you can also listen to Beyond the Boards and the same podcast feed. Um, and if you have the opportunity to rate or review us in the iTunes store, or whatever podcast app you listen to, that's super helpful for... Oh, oh I found oh. something out about things like that. Is okay. That on So if you're listening to us on Spotify, don't just listen, like download us i don't really know what that means <laughs> but someone but you, said that that's better that like ranks us higher on spotify all right so if you listen to us on spotify download us also just download us if you're listening to us in a podcast app too yeah. like because it's also just more convenient if you lose service or whatever um and rate and review us too because that's another helpful way to get us in front of more people uh, and thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.